All right, people, welcome to the show back again. Dennis Silva, how are you feeling, brother? Appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I'm feeling uh, feeling great being on here with you. <laughs> it's it's fun, man. You're like like one of the first to to get me into the into the scene. Like it was standard playing style Lopez, and and you you came into it. So it's oh, really? That's awesome. It's yes. great to finally connect. <laughs> for sure, man. Hey, um, just the 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 rundown of the story, bro. Like the the big lines, the from 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 where you are to to where you are today. Oh man, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's see. I I started off. Um, <laughs> I dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. So and I didn't live with my parents, yeah. so I was emancipated, and so um, I got into a little bit of trouble. Actually, a whole lot of trouble. Uh, I ended up getting caught selling marijuana, but like it wasn't it wasn't little amounts. It was uh, it was a lot. So um, so yeah, I ended up getting in trouble for that, and I was and I was in trouble, a lot of trouble, and then I ended up going back home because my dad posted my bail to get me out. Mm-hmm. And he gave me money for a lawyer. And mm-hmm. so after he gave me money for a lawyer, I was like, man, uh, how am I going to pay him back? <laughs> I was like, what exactly am I going to do here? So mm-hmm. I knew one of two things. I knew that I was good at selling stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I became like, it's it's very tacky to say, but I became the biggest drug dealer in my area. Mm-hmm. And like everybody was buying from me. So I was like, I clearly know how to sell. So how how can I do this how can I sell legally in a, in a legal way and still be a middleman because I was always the middleman mm-hmm. and I always liked being the middleman so I went online and um, I started just reading a bunch of forms at the time warrior form was a big form and it before they were brought bought out by freelancer and um, it was really really good it was a really good form and a lot of people would post about their results and what they were doing and how they were making money and then one guy was like oh yeah we're e-commerce dropshipping service I'm like hmm What's what's drop shipping? So mm-hmm. this is at the time when Shopify just got started as well. Like it, it was brand new. Right. And Facebook had under uh, 1.5 million advertisers. Now they're over 10 million. That's when I got started. So uh, so you know the first month that I tried drop shipping, I, I sold. Um, and I know this uh, this story is gonna one day bite me in the butt because somebody from Canon is gonna listen to it. But it was a Canon mug like one of those, one of those camera lens mugs. Mm -hmm. And I ended up selling that extremely successfully my very first month trying. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a six figure month. So I went from literally from, from literally having to pay my dad back from bailing me out of jail and all of this to going and running an extremely successful uh, product. Yeah. Extremely successful, I guess, launch of a new business. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where things took off. And then I decided, let me teach people how to do this as well. Cause I get to double dip and I have no shame in saying that. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people are always like, Oh, courses are terrible. And for me, I was literally the first person in the space to teach people on how to go out there and charge people how to do it. And, um, and yeah, from there, I just created a lot of people that you see today, like the big, some of the big gurus that you see all came through, um, you know, all came through one of my programs. And so that's kind of where everything, you know, stems from is, is, is getting in trouble. It was like, like, yeah, like the turning point of like trying this and then succeeding was, why, why did it succeed for you? Like so many people trying this shit. Why, why did it work out? Why did it work? Well, I was, the, I was one of the first movers. Mm-hmm. So back in, I started this back five years ago, six years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. So this is when, like I said, Facebook had under 1.5 million advertisers. 
um, and active, maybe like two, 300,000. Now there's millions of people active advertising on Facebook. And so, um, you know, I was able to throw up a little picture image of the Canon mug and sell it. Nowadays, that won't work. So the reason, you know, the reason why I had a lot of success was because I was, you know, one of the first movers. So I had first movers advantage. And uh, that for me was, you know, was, was kind of my, um, was kind of my, you know, saving grace, if you will, because if I got started, if I tried this again, uh, in 2019, I wouldn't have had the same results and the same knowledge that I built up over years. Mm -hmm. So uh, when, you know, I would say a lot of luck played into it. And when, and when anybody achieves any certain level of success, I hate, you know, I hate when people say, Oh, um, you know, he, that there's no luck involved. There's definitely luck involved, but there's also a lot of, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of execution and there's a lot of will to just keep going. So it's more, it's there, there's like, it's a recipe. It's a concoction of just a bunch of different, um, you know, different elements that go into to, to the whole success, if you will. But I could definitely say luck played in uh, a, a big factor. Was How did that like, you know, like what comes easy, goes easy, something, something like that. What, how did you know, how did you like play into that? That's a, that's a big one for people. So, I mean, over the years, you know, I've had to develop and adapt because you're right. What comes easy goes easy. As, yeah. as more people started coming in, I noticed that my income kept going down. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it's also one of those things where, um, that if I didn't teach people how to do it, my income wouldn't have gone down, but inevitably somebody was going to do it. So if it wasn't me, it was somebody else. So I built, I built a personal brand around that and the personal brand funded the e-com stuff. So I was able to test a bunch of different things um, with the money. You know, I was, I was able to make, you know, X, Y, and Z amount of money selling information. And then I would take that X, Y, and Z, like a portion of it and then put it back into testing new things. And that's kind of how I was able to progress really, really fast was, was being able to dip over here in, in the info side, take money from the info side and reinvest it back into the e-com side. And then know what works and then put it back into the info side and just and it's like a wait it just kept going so everything i learned here i would put it back in here people would pay me for this information i would i would take the money and then learn new information try to test a bunch of different things and then just reinvest that or put uh that information back in get the money from there and then just keep going mm -hmm. so that's uh that's pretty much how you know how it all went down basically keep keep testing keep developing yeah that's interesting yep always keep pushing forward Let's see. What's what's from from like the business standpoint? Like, what's different since since five six years ago? Like in in dropshipping wise, in e-commerce wise, what's what's a success formula for for today different than five years ago? Oh boy, um, <laughs> there's so much. Like right now, uh, the biggest the biggest difference is is the cost per acquisition for a customer. Right it, back then, it used to be like a dollar fifty two dollars for like a thirty forty dollar sale. Now for a $30, $40 sale, you're looking at like $25, $30 for an acquisition cost. Now, it's not so much the platform changed, but the customer changed. Mm -hmm. So as Facebook over the years started developing more of a bad rep, it became a lot harder to get the customers on the platform to actually purchase. So especially lower price products. Okay. And so, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that, uh, that drop shipping changed because drop shipping is just being a middleman, right? Anybody can build a store, anybody can run ads, but you know, two things have really changed is the customer and the, and how the marketer sells. So the copy that's, that's portrayed in the actual ad. So 
Um, so yeah, there's that. Those are the two main factors that I would say changed uh, over everything else. What's 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 a yeah? I, I like I like I want to want to get back to the story though. Like just like tech, technical shit, like product cost though. Like to to sell a successful product right now, what's what's the cost like? Um, so we do it a little bit differently now. Mm -hmm. Um, what we do is we focus on the recurring model. Mm -hmm. So we go ahead and we'll break even or take a loss on the front end. And then we'll have the recurring model, like $13 a month for a membership site. And we'll go ahead and get, you know, one customer in and the take rate's crazy, like 40 to 70%, depending on the product. Mm -hmm. So it'll have like an eight month retention rate. And so that particular user is worth, you know, close to a hundred dollars to us or, or well over a hundred dollars to us. So we're able to go ahead and spend up to whatever that user is worth on average over the course of eight months, you know, depending on how much the membership is. And if it's like, let's just say $120 over the course of eight months, we're able to go and take a $30 product and we're able to sell it for $50, like get a cost per sale of $50. Yes, we take a hit of $20 and that's what product costs too. But we know on month five out of the eight months that they're on average retained for will be in profit. So, so that's what nobody's doing right now. And that's what, that's what we're doing. And I just made a YouTube video about it, but that's, that's the moat is like, there's always a moat around a business, a, a successful one, a really successful one. And that's, that's been our moat. And that's why, um, and that's why we have a lot of clients as well that we do this with on shop DFY. And, uh, and basically we, we build out these stores, right. And we add the recurring model in there because there's so many different moving parts, such as third party, uh, payment processors, like actual merchants, um, actually getting a custom Shopify checkout page overridden from the normal check, uh, Shopify checkout page mm -hmm. and having the order bump on the checkout page. And there's so many moving parts to it that, uh, that you, you literally cannot figure out without putting all the pieces in the right places. It's, it's extremely difficult to set up, but mm. once you know how to do it, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like the new, it's like the new wave of printing money. So like <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So are like, like take a, take a startup Apple, for example, like you're, you're, you're doomed if you're, if you go below $50 or something for, for just a one-time product. Yes. Unless you have recurring. Mm. So, um, because like I said, the cost per acquisition of a customer is, higher. is through the roof. Exactly. Is way higher than it ever was. Everybody's fighting for the same customer. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's, it's a race to the bottom. That's essentially what it is. And that's like the worst, that's the worst thing that anything can happen to a marketplace is, is the race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I caught on to that like fast and I was like, okay, how do we combat the race to the bottom, but still maintain a good AOV, but, um, you know, still maintain that long-term customer uh, and have them keep paying for products that are highly discounted. So that's, um, that's been the model. And it's just because the cost of, of obtaining that customer is, is really, really high. Mm. Um, nowadays it is now there's people out there that get, you know, sales for like 10, $15 that know how to manually bid perfectly. And you know, they're very far and few between, but their profit margins aren't like, it's, it's very over glorified. Like I saw somebody who posted like $70,000 in a day and that's nice and all, but, um, the product costs, the cost and acquisition, the fees that you have to pay for merchants, mm -hmm. by the end of it all, you're looking at, you know, 10 to 15%. Now don't get me wrong, you know, seven to $10,000 is great, you know, per day net, but it's people see that 60, 70,000 and they think that's face value and it's not. Mm 
Mm. Um, so again, there's, there's a lot of you know, stuff in the back end that a lot of people don't talk about or even see or know about. And they just look at the number that's on the screen as face value for how much that particular person made that day. And that is like far from the truth. Mm. So that's something a lot of people have to realize. Oh, I like it. What's like for, for you personally, like going back to the story, like you, you started, you started selling this, uh, these things. How'd you find like this for yourself, like this for your, for your question? Why, why essentially marketing? Why not? Whatever. How, how'd you find it for yourself? So, so why marketing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why, why, why is such a passion? Like where does it come from? How, how did you find it? Uh, so it started when I was young. My, my dad was a salesman and all his friends were salesmen. Mm -hmm. So they were always like, your son's going to be the best salesman, like out of all of us, because they surrounded themselves. I surrounded myself with them when I was young. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I would never, they would never teach me how to sell. I would just listen. Mm -hmm. I would listen and pay attention. And then I use my skills to do it incorrectly, <laughs> you know, sell the wrong stuff. So, um, so then I was like, all right, let me just apply my skills to, to, to what I know now mm -hmm. and, uh, or what I'm learning. And so it worked out in my favor. I was like, okay, I mean, this is, this is great. Yeah. Can't complain. <laughs> no, I like it. Like selling, selling drugs and shit. It's, uh, it's easier. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it definitely requires less brain cells. Yeah. That's it. But, there's, um, there's no skill. Well, less skill. No, there's no skill. There's no skill whatsoever. <laughs> it's funny, man. What's uh, yeah, bro, I like it. So, so like marketing stuff, like you got, you got it. What, what, like it, you know, the 10,000 hour theory, like what, what, how did you spend your 10,000 hours in it? How did you get like crazy good at it? How does, how did um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of watching other people like mm -hmm. dissecting webinars, dissecting funnels, dissecting what other successful people are doing mm -hmm. and seeing what more importantly, what they're saying and how they're saying it and then how they're executing on, you know, whether it's a funnel or, or, you know, how they're executing the close of a webinar. Um, and, and that all revolves back to copy because if you can understand what makes people tick psychologically, you can sell anything. Right. So literally anything. So every product, there's an emotional trigger and you have to kind of find mm -hmm. what that emotional trigger is. And if you can nail that down really well, then um, there's no product that you can't sell. Hmm. You think that's like, you know, when it, like in basketball, you can practice like free throws for eight hours. You think copy is like the, the practice in, in like marketing? I don't. Um, I think you're either, I think you're either really good at copy or you have to hire somebody who's really good at copy. It's very hard to learn copy. In my opinion, it's either you're really good at selling through, through written word or you have somebody on your team who is very good at selling through the written word. So, cause it, is it a skill that you can learn? In my opinion, um, I don't necessarily think so. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that you're, like some people are really good at running Google ads. Some people are really good at running Facebook ads. Some people are really good at building teams, but they can't do, you know, you know, other things. Right. I mm -hmm. think some people are just very, very good at psychologically understanding how to get people to purchase. So, and, and that's a hard thing to do. I, I think mm -hmm. uh, there's a few people out there that I know that I've paid thousands of dollars for to learn, you know, a few tricks and tips and that those thousands of dollars have made me a just like seven figures, a disgusting amount of money just from a few little tips that they taught me in and copy. Um, in copy. Yeah. Writing copy just psychologically. Like, um, 
like uh, I'll give you an example. This one time I was, I was launching something. It was an info product. Mm-hmm. And I hired this person, Jason. And Jason has done over, it's like $300 million in sales on webinars only. And I said, Jason, give me like one specific tip. He's like, tomorrow, this is what I want you to do. And then he told me what, he, what I should be doing. And then I did it. And the sales for that day were $733,000. And that was, um, that was like a day. And I was like, and I messaged him. I was like, oh my goodness, Jason, this was insane. And it was all, it was a psychological trick. And he gave me a script to say and how to say it and how to execute on it and where my voice should be, how I should transition lower and then up. And then Mm -hmm. it was, it was all psychological. And so, and so it was like, it was very planned. Um, and it was executed perfectly on my side. And, um, but again, that increased sales, if, if I had to guess that increased sales by three X, so I would have easily pushed like a quarter million, but it went to 700,000 because of that one little trick. So, and that was like one little thing. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. I don't know. Like people don't talk about the copy side of it. They're, they're, like you have Ben Lock on it, where a small percentage of people talk about the copy. And it's, it's it's crazy bit like so you don't think like the, the dan kennedy thing like 30 day uh writing copy methods and, and things if you don't good at it you're, you're you should hire someone that's yeah. well yeah i mean you got to understand dan kennedy is uh very old school right so he's he's direct ma- he's direct mailing like like mailing people sales letters mm-hmm. and so the touch points on that was like seven uh roughly seven touch points so like seven direct pieces of mail would typically lead to a sale mm-hmm. however this is back when direct uh direct marketing was there was no internet there was no tv it was very there was no snapchat there was no instagram mm-hmm. and now uh jason who i talked to he says the average touch points now is roughly 49 so you need 49 different touch points in order to go ahead and either make that sale or go ahead and get that lead or, or like to book a call or get the sale or whatever it is. So the average touch points become a lot higher now because our attention spans are a lot shorter and we're also marketing to a different crowd, a different generation. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're used to Snapchat, we're used to Instagram, we're used to TikTok, where we have literally 10 seconds to do something and move on. So that's, um, that's why the touch points are a lot more now compared to the Dan Kennedy days. But the principles of Dan Kennedy on how to write copy and how to persuade people are still in effect. Mm-hmm. It's just a little different to our time period now. Mm. No, I, I feel like, like thinking about that, like what's, what's the evergreen skill? Like the, you read Master or Road Green? Uh, N- no. No, you should read. It's like the Forty Eight Laws of Power, the, the same author. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Forty Eight Laws of Power. Yeah, that book good. is a, it's a very good book. It's interesting, yeah. But like the, the evergreen skill, like like copywriting or whatever, like like I said, like piano or basketball, you can practice for for hours and it's 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 instant. You can become perfect at it. But like in in something in as researchy as like marketing or, or persuasion, it's it's different. Yes. You have to, you just have to naturally be good at it. Like there are people who are not naturally good at it. Um, like, uh, we're, we're training people on our team to be, to be closers right now. And the hardest thing is to find people that are naturally good at selling, like naturally good at being persuasive. And some people, I mean, aren't, and it's not, it's, it's very hard to teach somebody how to persuade, how to convince, how to sell. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, it's not impossible. It's it's really not impossible. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like somebody like Jordan Belfort, right? He was born with the gift of being able to sell. 
Tony Robbins was born with the gift to be able to literally move people, thus getting to their emotions, thus being able to sell. Mm -hmm. So, so there's people that are just born with it, like Russell also born with the ability to sell. So it's, you know, it's not something that took him years and years and years to develop when he first got started as well. Sure. There's a learning curve, but you don't get to that level. Um, just, you know, being, being average and learning, you know, day by day, it's, it's something that you're, that you just have. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my opinion. I, you know, like I said, this is, this is something that you could learn. It would take a very, 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 very long time, but it's not impossible to learn. There's people that are way better than me and I'm way better than certain people. So that's, yeah, that's the long and short of it. (laughs) It's a hard thing. Yeah. Like what's the, like the, the 50 year plan with it, where, where do you see yourself in the business, everything going? That's a good question. Um, I don't have a 50 year plan because mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly where, um, I don't know exactly where, where, where I want to end off. So. Hmm. Mm. And like, so, so yeah, you got, you got two or five something years, right? Like helping people or whatever, or where do you see that? Um, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing now, helping people and, and just, you know, pursuing and keep pushing Mm -hmm. forward and, um, and yeah, and basically just maintain what I'm doing. And obviously once I find that perfect opportunity, I'm going to seize it. Now, I don't know what that opportunity is, Mm -hmm. but you know, once it appears then obviously I'm going to double down on it. Mm, I like it, bro. Yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. No, it's interesting. I like your like perspective, your your expertise. It's interesting. What's let's let's say you missed the boat on this one. Just you, you didn't take action for whatever reason. What's what's the thing you focus on today? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um I would focus on the same thing, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I don't it's very hard to tell. Um because mm-hmm. I, I already picked my path. So it's like, I, it's like, I don't know what I would have picked if I didn't pick this path. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, uh, I would, now I can tell you I'd focus on copy, but I couldn't tell you that years ago mm-hmm. when I didn't know. Um, but if I had to restart with the skills that I have now, um, mm-hmm. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely harness in copy like crazy. So, and, and everybody knows that like who, who's really close in my inner circle, um, like, you know, customers wise, followers wise, they know I'm, I'm really big into harping on copy because copy is what sells. Um, and, uh, you know, convincing people to buy something is, is what sells and I don't care what you're selling. That's like the most important aspect. Mm-hmm. So you, you like, bro, I, I want to get into like the process and everything. I like it. You write like daily or what do you do to like get this even more like, like I do. I I I do. I write. I tend to write daily, mm-hmm. um, but I write emails, like a lot of emails. Mm-hmm. And so the emails um, that I go ahead and write, they're heavily they're heavily copy based. So it's it. There's always an end goal, right? Mm-hmm. And the end goal is always to sell something. Because if you're not selling something, then um, then in my opinion, it's a big waste. So. <laughs> I, I don't really think that people who who uh, write copy to not sell something mm-hmm. is a good idea because again, uh, our goal as a copywriter is to literally 
sell through the written word. And I, and, and I kind of picked that up from Kevin, um, who's obviously in the other room. Mm-hmm. And, and so I picked it up from him because I started looking at all his stuff and I realized something is that I realized that he's constantly selling. Like there's nothing that he's not doing that he's, that he's not selling. Mm-hmm. And he, he's obviously doing very well for himself. And so once I picked up on that, that he was constantly selling, that's when I realized like, oh, like that's the actual trick is, mm-hmm. is constantly having something to sell. Mm-hmm. Like always, always selling something. And I used to be very free oriented, like everything's free, 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 free. Mm-hmm. And when you give, when you give free, people expect free. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's like, it's very hard to, uh, to mold somebody to expect to buy something when all you do is give for free. Like, let me give you an example. Um, I created, I created like this uh, Shopify masterclass, right? And 80,000 people went through it. And at the very end, um, there was nothing to buy. But the moment I emailed them saying, hey, buy this theme, buy this plugin, buy this, uh, or not plugin, buy this uh, app, um, buy this add-on, whatever it is, buy this course. People are like, why are you selling to me? Hmm. Well, I realized that the buyer psychology was they looked at me as free and all they do is expect free. Hmm. So that's kind of where the disconnect was for, for me, was people looked at it as free and constantly expected free. That's a problem, yeah. Establishing, establishing that reputation is a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I like it. It's interesting. What 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 is he like? Copywriting, like as in as in trends, like it's 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 a lot more video based, I guess, with like YouTube being bigger than than was like thirty years ago or something. Absolutely. Do you see and that? and even even YouTube is. Um, how you sell on Facebook, how you sell on your website, how you sell on YouTube, all of them are different. Every single one is different. So if you watch my YouTube ads, I don't know if you've been getting hit with them recently, but they're kind of mm-hmm. just like, they're, they're like everywhere right now. <laughs> um, and uh, selling through YouTube takes, it requires a lot more planning. It requires a lot more thinking about, you know, cause here's the thing is that Facebook you're interrupting it's interruption based marketing mm-hmm. so essentially what's happening here is let's say you're in a group of five friends right and then i walk up and say hey anybody want to buy this uh anybody want to buy this you know this watch right mm-hmm. uh, you know people are gonna be like you and your friends are gonna just look at me and be like get out of here who are you mm-hmm. now now youtube is almost the same way just removing you from your friends so you're there you're interested in you know watching uh, you know let's just say a david dobrik video mm-hmm. and before the david dobrik video i can say hey, hey listen before you watch your david dobrik video or before you watch this video mm-hmm. i want to let you know about something so the it, yes it's still interruption based but it's more so um it's it's more willing if you retarget because people who come to my channel watch me and then i put an ad in front of their face they're more inclined to um to be like, okay, I'll listen to what you have to say before I watch this video. And then I'll, you know, I might click. So even though Facebook has, Facebook is very, very smart, smarter than, smarter than Google, very like way smarter. Their AI is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to train it for a long time. You have to train your pixel for a long time in order for it to become very, very, very smart. So. That's a thing. <laughs> 
I like like bro, this is it's amazing for me. <laughs> this is whole marketing thing. There's so like so few people like talking this in depth about it. It's all like men, like the the mindset side of everything and all the bullshit. I mean, yeah, of course, you you need mindset, but like at the end of the day, you can you can have a you can have a garbage mindset and perfect execution and and know how to sell, and you'll still do better than the person who's like, yes, like you know the wishy washy people in the personal mm-hmm. development space. There's a reason why the make money online space makes a lot more than the personal development space. Mm-hmm. So it's because you know we focus on selling, they focus on hyping, like getting people <laughs> excited, and there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Like, how do you research your 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 markets, your audiences? How do you? Is that um, fucking hard? So I have I have a lot of VAs that go. Th- I have a certain criteria. Mm-hmm. So as a matter of fact, I have it on my uh, on my computer over here. And um, where is this right here? So one of the criteria that I have my VAs go through is it has a Facebook ad that I can look at with over three hundred thousand views. If there's no Facebook ad that I can see on a product, I don't I don't care. Like mm-hmm. uh, I. I want to see how they're marketing it. It has 300 or more sales via watch count. And I still look at watch count. It's selling on Amazon for at least two to three times the product cost. So if the product costs $10, it's selling for 20 to 30 or more on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Google, uh, Google trends shows it's not a big trending product, but it's consistent. For example, it doesn't spike one day out of the, or one month out of the year. And then it's just flat. So it needs to be consistent. Um, There needs to be a store example that I can see. And there has to ha- it has to have a wow effect on the user, like wow, this is useful, or wow, this is really cool, wow, this is something that I can go ahead and use, uh, whatever it is. It needs to have a wow effect, and anyone can get used for this product, meaning it needs to be mass marketable, and it has to have proven sales data when looking at the AliExpress listing mm-hmm. uh, using the dropshipping center. So if the sales on the dropshipping center are zero, zero, five, one hundred, ten, twenty, ten, ten, fifty, that's not consistent enough for me. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, but each product has to fit the criteria. If they don't fit the criteria, then it's like, then then I just kind of trash it. Yeah. So that's like mostly just just researching and everything. Oh yeah, and I have virtual assistants that just do this all day. Hmm. That's funny. Yep. <laughs> you see, branding as as a as a big thing, or that's a, just a hype. Now, thing? now it is. Now it is. Now it is. How do you see that? What so explain it. Because you used to be able to put up a general store and make a lot of money. Now you need to go a niche store or one product store, and that requires a lot of branding. So a niche store, you have to brand. A one product store obviously is a brand. Mm-hmm. So um, even if you're drop shipping, then you need to use a 3PL if, in order to fulfill once you find a winning product to get faster shipping times. And there's just a lot more that goes into it than just regular drop shipping now. Mm-hmm. What do you use? Yeah. Like like a, what differentiates an Apple or a, or a Rolex or whatever from a from a fucking cheap, cheap bottle of water or whatever? What's, what's branding wise? What's different? So what do you mean? Like as in as in the emotion behind the behind the brand? How do you create that? And what's what's different from the from the cheapy brands? Like so um, all right, take something like Movement, right? MVMT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were bought by Movado. So Movado is a big watch company. Mm-hmm. And so um, movement talked to a certain audience. Mm-hmm. They talked to like that trendy, stylish men market, right? And so they kind of nailed down that niche market. And you take something like, and you ask like a bottle of water, right? Here's the thing. Selling a bottle of water is the easiest thing you can do because you need water to survive and everybody gets thirsty. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're never going to run out. 
So there's, there's just, and, and that's, you know, a heck of a lot easier of a sell than it mm -hmm. is for to sell a, you know, a watch or something like that. But if we take a look at, you know, we do a comparison of like a Rolex or like a, like an AP, right? Um, you, it caters to a certain audience. Like an older crowd is used to generational uh, watches like a Rolex. So a Rolex is generational, like it gets passed down. AP is a newer brand. So um, it, it caters to a younger audience. It caters to a completely different audience and it makes, you know, um, it makes people feel a certain way when you have these type of items. Mm -hmm. And so different occasions will allow you to cater to whatever you want to wear. And whatever you want to wear is also based on, you know, psychologically how you want to be perceived. Mm -hmm. So nobody wears a diamond out Rolex to a, uh, to like a, like a business event. Right. But they will wear a plain they will wear a plain AP or a plain Rolex. Mm -hmm. However, you go out to, and that makes, that makes you look and have a perceived value of, you know, somebody who's professional. Now, if I walk into a business meeting with a, you know, with a diamond out Rolex, they're going to look at me and be like, yeah, no. However, you go to a club or something, a diamond out Rolex, you have a different perceived value than a meeting. It can be the same person, different occasions, different items make you feel the different ways. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the branding aspect of it. Like that's, that's the branding aspect. Yep.